Hello and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. One of the most significant phrases found in the Bible is in Christ. As Jesus followers, because we are in Christ, we share many of the blessings and attributes of Christ himself. But not only that, we also become part of a new body. Listen this week as Pastor Josh Rhodes closes the series, Who Am I?, by discussing our new family in Christ. We hope that this talk encourages and inspires you as you grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, good morning. If you're new with us today, my name is Josh Rhodes. I'm the pastor of ministries. It's great to be together sharing at times of worship, communion, and uh, just excited for, for what God has in store for us. Um, I don't know what this past year was like for you, 2022, but looking back with just a little bit of hindsight, I would probably say that 2022 is probably one of the most um, challenging years, but also one of the most rewarding. Uh, a number of you know that uh, we became licensed foster parents towards the end of 2021, and not long after we became licensed, we got a call for two young brothers who we had the privilege of bringing into our home and into our lives, and we were able to foster them for 11 consecutive months. And um, absolutely a life-changing experience. And then right before the holidays, uh, they took their next step. And for the sake of confidentiality and privacy, I can't exactly share what that is, but I can share that they're healthy, happy, growing, and we're still able to stay in touch. And for that, we're very grateful for. So by recommendation of other more experienced foster parents, they said, hey, you've been going hard for about a year. Take a little bit of time off. It's okay. Um, give yourself a few months to just rest and recharge. Um, so we did that. And honestly, just in the last probably two to three weeks for my wife and I and our, our four children, um, our birth children, we all kind of came to the same point as a family saying, I think we're ready. I think we've had rest. I think we've had some refreshment. Let's go again. So um, if my phone rings right now for a child, I may be excusing myself because we're kind of hanging by the phone right now uh, to welcome another child into our home. But over the last few months, which again, I'm so thankful for, um, our family has spent time doing a few things very intentionally. And I would say first, it has been to celebrate this past year. Uh, there is nothing like, nothing like the privilege of opening your home and your heart to a child who needs it. And just to celebrate the growth and the healing and the change, the memories made, the pictures we'll have forever. We celebrated all of that. Second, which goes along with that hand in hand, is we took time and are still taking time to grieve the fact that they were with us and now they're not. It's hard. It just sort of comes with it. And, um, and we, we've cried our tears and we've talked through it as a family. We invited a counselor even into that process just to help us make sense of these feelings. So we've, we've grieved. And then thirdly, we've spent a lot of time reflecting because these types of experiences honestly cause you to do a lot of soul searching. Um, before this experience, I probably would have said I was a pretty patient guy. Um, before this experience, I would probably say I'm the most loving individ you know, individual in the world. And it just sort of exposes 
um, weaknesses, strengths, reflections, new insights about God, our faith, what matters, what doesn't matter, um, in our, our family. And there are, there are many reflections that I could share, and, and maybe another time I can. But there was one that just kept coming up, and it was something that came up probably at the two-month mark, and four-month mark, six-month mark, and it, it just kept surfacing during these last few months of rest, and it was simply this. I don't think we could have done it without you. I don't think we could have done it without you, meaning our church family. And that's not one of those cliche, throwaway statements like, couldn't have done it without you. No, I'm, I'm serious. I don't think we would have been sustained. Um, a lot of statistics about foster parent burnout within the first few years. So thankfully, our church knew that and has been so gracious to surround us with prayer, with resources, with what we call care communities, volunteers who pray for us and encourage us and bring meals. It's absolutely wonderful. And I would say without that kind of support from our church family, without that ongoing love, without that how's it going, without that, hey, is there anything else you need? I don't know that we would have made it. And I wonder if you've ever either felt that or experienced that or maybe said that. I couldn't have done it without my church. I couldn't have done it without another believer in my life. I couldn't have done it without the people that God has given me. I couldn't have done it without the church. You know, one of the greatest, there's so many joys I have about serving God through our church, uh, truly. I absolutely feel, feel so blessed. But one of the greatest joys is hearing your stories and in preparation for this message, I asked myself, what are some of the things I've heard just over the last probably four weeks about what's possible by having relationships within God's family, having brothers and sisters in Christ, people who we can count on? Here are some of the things, maybe not be exact quotes, but these are things that I have heard. This church family means the world to me. When I needed help, I knew who I could count on. I've met some of my best friends in the world here. I don't think our marriage would have made it without you guys. I don't know if I could have stayed clean without the support. I didn't grow up in church, so I don't really know how to give my kids a foundation in the faith. I'm so thankful that you're helping me raise my kids to know Jesus. I'm so proud to be a part of a church family that helps me make a real difference in the community. Then this last one, this is the loving, supportive family I never had. Now, I grew up as, as I think you know, a pastor's kid. So I'm a, I know I'm biased, but I think the local church, being a part of God's family is absolutely wonderful. And and in my father's church up in the Weirton area, the church I served at in Pennsylvania, and then the Ridge for a number of years, it's just been, it's been really good. Um, and I know I'm blessed, and, and maybe you feel that way as well, that your church family experiences by and large have just been really, really good. And for that, I'm grateful if that's who you are. But I also know that some of you here today, this is just new. God... The, you know, God is new, faith is new, church is new. So you don't maybe have experiences that are 
positive. You probably don't hopefully have any that are negative. You just don't have any yet. You're still checking some things out. But I also know there's a number of you that you've had some bad church experiences. You know, Josh, I, I don't feel the way that you were just describing. When I needed help the most, I don't think they were there. Or maybe your church, you just didn't understand that was being taught. Or maybe you came to find out later that what was being taught wasn't actually the truth. Or maybe you felt judged because of the way that you looked or dressed or your income level. Whatever the case may be, maybe you're now keeping people at an arm's length to say, I I still love God and I still believe in Jesus Christ and I know this matters, but the whole people thing, I just can't do. Wherever you are today, I would just say my prayer is that God would help us see with fresh eyes the gift and the beauty that is possible through his family. I pray that we could see that because what we've discovered in this series, Who Am I?, We've discovered from the book of Romans that there are several things. In fact, the Bible uses this in Christ phrase between 150 and 200 times to describe what is true of us because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we've learned that in Christ, we are forgiven, we are victorious, we are set free, secure. And today, I wanna talk about how we are family. It's not just something that we have, it's who we are are, that if you've placed your faith in Christ, you are in Christ, you are in the family, and that has a global perspective to it, the global body of Christ, brothers and sisters right now on the other side of the world, but locally as well, that we have been given a gift of being a part of God's family, particularly through this local body. So that's what we're going to talk about. And and this theme of family is a major one all throughout the Bible. Um, It's both the family that maybe we share a home with, uh, a last name with, maybe the family that you were born into, adopted into, married into, like those people, the ones that you just dealt with for like the last two months during the holidays, you know, those ones. But then also the Bible talks at length about spiritual family. And you know, Jesus, Jesus taught, taught us this, this spiritual family that we've been brought into. Many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. It begins this way, therefore you should pray like this. So the disciples said, Jesus, how should we pray? How should we, how should we approach God? You should pray like this, our Father in heaven. Your name be honored as holy. Jesus taught his disciples and he invites us to approach the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful creator, sustainer God as father, a loving father, a perfect father, not one like me. And I'm thankful for that because I'm not perfect, but he is So he taught us that we can approach our God as Father. But then he he told us the way that we should think of one another in this family. And and in Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to get to Romans in just a few minutes, but in Matthew chapter 12, we see this scene that at face value can look a little harsh, but it's not. 
It says he was still speaking to the crowds when suddenly his mother, which was Mary, Mother Mary, and his brothers were standing outside to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. But he replied to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, that person is my brother, sister, and mother. Now again, at face value, this might look harsh, like that Jesus was maybe perhaps being unkind or not loving towards his mother and the people that he shared a home with. It's not the case. My study Bible points this out. Jesus was not denying his responsibility to his earthly family. That's hugely important for us to understand. On the contrary, he elsewhere criticized the religious leaders for not following the Old Testament command to honor their parents, Matthew 15. He provided for his mother's security as he hung on the cross, John 19. His mother and brothers were present in the upper room at Pentecost, Acts 1. Instead, Jesus was pointing out that spiritual relationships, what we're talking about today, brothers and sisters in the faith, that spiritual relationships are as binding as physical ones. And he was paving the way for a new community of believers, the universal church, our spiritual family. I love that. He loved his family. That's very clear. But he was also pushing beyond that and preparing his disciples to understand that that as this message goes out and as this good news goes out, more and more people are going to believe in me and become a part of this family. And this is the truth that Jesus taught, that in Christ we are family. We are family. And, and, and as we're going to talk about today, hopefully the good kind, right? Because I'm sure for you, this is stirring up so much. Like, Josh, I don't equate family with peace or family with love or family with support. I equate family with like all the bad stuff. But Jesus said in Christ, we are family. And after his death, resurrection, and ascension, we see that that teaching and that vision is exactly what stuck. Places like Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 11, it describes God as our Father and as us as members of God's household. This theme of God as Father and we are brothers and sisters, Christ became and is the primary dominant metaphor of who we are all throughout the scriptures. It's not just something we have, it's who we are. So now from Romans, where we've been in this series for the last five weeks, we get to Romans chapter 12, and there's two big, two big truths that we're going to take away and how to, how to apply that to our church family here. And I just want to mention that in, in Romans, you can kind of divide it pretty equally. Romans chapter 1 to 11, commentators will typically say that's all about right belief, or it's about our right relationship with God through faith. So it's very theological. Romans chapter 12 to 15 is very practical. You might say it's about right action or right behavior or about right relationship with one another. And you see very clearly there's a turn from Romans 1 to 11 to Romans 12, 15, and it's in a single word. And that word 
is there for. So Romans 12.1 says, in light of 1 to 11, all of this teaching about our beliefs and what we have through a relationship with God through faith in Christ, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing the perfect will of God. So we've already touched on in this series that as believers, we're not under the Old Testament laws and sacrifices and all of that, but he was using that vivid imagery of these sacrifices that they would make to now communicate to them This is how you ought to approach life. This is how you ought to view yourself as a living sacrifice, that you are willing to lay your life down in the same way that Christ laid his life down for you. My Bible study notes this, God wants us to offer ourselves, not animals, as living sacrifices, daily laying aside our own desires to follow him putting all of our energy and resources at his disposal and trusting him to guide us. We do this out of gratitude that our sins have been forgiven. So in light of all that Christ has done for us, in light of the fact that he sacrificed himself for us to be the atonement for our sins, we now, we now are called and we now have the privilege to do the same for others. So this passage now kind of gets into the nitty-gritty, and we're going to start with Romans chapter 3, or 12, 3 to 8. And what we're going to see is that through the Holy Spirit, we've all been given a gift. We've been given those gifts to serve one another. And just like a healthy household, a healthy family, everyone's looking for ways to serve each other. So it says this, Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. And he lists several examples. If prophecy, so if that's your gift, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. And what this passage is communicating is that by God's grace, not our own merit or specialness or because we're awesome, It says, because we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit has given each of us gifts, unique empowerments to to serve the family. And the gifts listed here, I'm sure you caught several of them, serving, leading, teaching, giving. It's not meant to be the complete list. You can see elsewhere in places like 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter, you see that there's several listed and you can kind of put them all together to get a sense of all the different types of gifts. But I would say for this purpose, what it's communicating 
is that you're a part of this body, you've been given a gift, and you, get, you should use that gift to serve others and make a difference. Don't be prideful about it, stay humble, be grateful, and use it well. And I love in this text, we get this beautiful metaphor, this, this vision of what this looks like. And he says it's like a body, that Jesus is the head and that we're all the body. You know, and you're observing my body right now, unless you're listening to the podcast. But I've got eyes and ears and a mouth and hands and feet and a heart and lungs. All of these parts make up my body. All of them are important, but all of them are different. They all serve different purposes, but they all matter just the same. You know, when I think about this, I can't help, think about, help but think about sports. And I think specifically about the season we're in, which is we're preparing for the Super Bowl, all right? Now, I'm a Steelers fan, so quite frankly, I don't, I'm not too concerned with what happens next week. But some of my buddies are strong Eagle fans, so I'll probably lean that way. But if Mahomes wins, that's kind of exciting. But when I think about this whole idea of gifts and abilities and of church family, I think about football teams and how we typically think of the most important people are who? The players, quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs, the people are actually on the field. But guess what? If it weren't for the coaches and support staff on the sideline, you don't play. You need them. And you know who the coaches and support staff need. They need the managers and the owners and everybody funding this operation. You need all of the gifts. All of the gifts matter. Some are a little more visible. Maybe some are a little more celebrated. But every gift on the field, sideline, in a booth, or even somewhere else, all of those gifts come together and hopefully result in a win. So it is in the body of Christ. There's all kinds of gifts. Some of you are able to use those gifts in more public ways. You know, Chad was up here and Grace was up here and our, our band and Arch was up here. And, and a lot of times we see certain gifts, but there are so many more ways to serve. Behind closed doors, preparing a meal in our home, praying for someone, encouraging someone. Every gift is different, but every gift is useful. You know, I also think about um, our kids growing up, which one of the many blessings is the older they get, the more you can make them do, you know? It's like cheap labor, you know? But it's been really healthy for them to learn how to take out the trash, set the table, walk the dog, put away laundry. And um, at the present time, if they do five chores during the week, they, they get a dollar, all right, cheapskate. We'll increase it as they get older. But not only does that lighten the load for Hillary and I, which it does, it gives them a chance to serve. It gives Pierce an opportunity to set the table, and he's so careful when he fills the cups. And it gives Levi a chance to go walk the dog, and it gives them a chance to use their gifts and their abilities, though different than mine, though different than Hillary's, to serve our family. That's what we're talking about, that you matter. And you might not think your gift is important as someone else's gift, but God doesn't feel that way. Whatever your gift is, however you use it, whether public, private, seen, unseen, celebrated or not, it matters. So you've been given a gift. The second mark then, the second mark then from, from 9 to 18 is how we treat each other. So that's how we serve each other. That's how we strengthen each other. 
Now I want to talk about how we treat each other. So 9 to 18, think about this passage in the context of our relationships and how different this could look than the way the world typically operates. It says this, love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. There is so much in this passage that we don't have time to unpack. But everything that flows from that verse 9, showing honor, opening your home, not repaying evil for evil, everything mentioned flows from one word. Did you catch it? It's love. And there's different types of love in the Bible. And the word here is agape love. It's the highest form of love. It's sacrificial. It's the kind of love that doesn't give up. It's the kind of love in John 3, 16, for God so loved. It's his kind of love. And everything flows from that kind of love. Jesus in John 13 said, by all this, people will know that you're my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. That's what it's all about. And I love the fact that it begins by saying, let your love must be without hypocrisy, not fake. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't pretend. Have true and real love for one another. So what does it look like? Well, it gave several examples, showing family affection. Maybe you've heard somebody, or maybe someone has told you like, hey, I love you, brother. Or hey, you're my sister. Uh, One of my friends, Justin, I ran into him just the other day at Sheets near where we live. And he's the kind of guy that will come up and be like, give me a hug, man. I haven't seen you. I love you. I don't recommend doing that at Sheets unless you know the person. That might be a little bit weird, but it's, it's, it's really, really healthy. And I know we're all wired differently in our comfort levels, but to hug another Christian, to tell them you love them, to tell them you appreciate them, Showing family affection is really, really healthy. It talks about showing honor to one another, that you're always looking for ways to lift someone else up and not yourself. It says sharing and meeting needs, hospitality, opening your home, opening your fridge. It says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When's the last time you got to celebrate with someone who had a huge win, a promotion or a child or or a home, you know, to celebrate with someone, but then to weep with someone who is going through it. This is what it's talking about. In chapter 12, the last few verses, which we're not going to read, it, it does talk specifically about how we interact with those who intentionally persecute us, mistreat us, and it has some great advice for us there. But I also want to acknowledge the fact that even sometimes within God's family, we hurt each other. We do. We fall short. We say things. We do things intentionally, unintentionally. And if we don't deal with those things, it can cause a lot of damage because typically what happens in churches, because this is hard 
Like if somebody bothers me or I bother them or whatever, we, we typically either sweep it under the rug or maybe we fight back or maybe we gossip to someone who's not involved or maybe we just say, I can't take that church, I'm out. But all of that maybe could have been dealt with if we would just love. First Peter 4.8, I love this scripture. It says, above all, maintain an intense love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. It might, sound, seem, so, it might sound so simple, but it really does come back to that. How are we to treat one another in God's family? It's love. And in our home, we try not to burden our kids with a bunch of rules. So we say this, love's the most important thing. There's one rule in this house, it's love. Now, that goes along with like not getting up at six, in, the, in a 6 a.m. and eating ice cream and like shoving someone off the deck. Like there's, there's sub points that you got to give kids. But the point of points, the rule of rules, is love. Love with our words, love with our actions, love with our obedience, love with our kindness. It's all about love. And do you know something? If you were to ask me, Josh, why do you love this church family? I could take the whole next hour to give you all of those reasons, but right near the top is I think we love really well. We don't do it perfectly because I'm a part of this church and I'm not perfect. But I think we really love one another well. So in Christ, we are family. It's who we are. God is our father and we're brothers and sisters. And we have the opportunity to use what God has given us in any way that we can to enrich the lives of our brothers and sisters, that we're looking for it, we're being intentional about it, we're, we're asking God to open doors to use what he's given us, and we treat each other well. We love each other well, and when those things happen, I think the world takes notice. So how can we apply this today? Let me just give you two quick things. First, I don't think there would be a better fitting to this series of being in Christ than to extend an opportunity for you to become in Christ. It's not the prayer that saves you, it's the faith behind the prayer. So I'm gonna offer a prayer today and I'm gonna take it slowly, line by line. There's gonna be about five or six lines that you'll see. And what this prayer communicates is what we believe the gospel is, that we're sinners in need of a savior, that Jesus died in our place for our sins. And when we call to him in faith, we are saved. So here's the prayer, if it's your heart's desire today, you don't yet know Christ, I encourage you to pray it. Dear God, I know I've sinned against you. I believe you sent your only son Jesus to come into this world to die on the cross in my place and for my sin. I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead, demonstrating that you accepted his payment on my behalf. Today, I'd like to place my trust in Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I turn to him for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. I come to you in Jesus' name and because of what he did for me. Amen. If you just called out to God in faith, I want to welcome you to the family. You're a brother and a sister, and you can call God your father. 
If you prayed that today, let us know. We'd love to support you and encourage you, even help you take a step of baptism to publicly proclaim that. But congratulations, you're in the family. And I would say for everyone else here today, if God has given you brothers and sisters in Christ in this church, thank him for it. Just thank him for it. And whoever those people are, whether it's one, two, 10, or 20, would you do something for me? Would you let them know how they, what they mean to you? Will you send them a text today or this week or go visit them and say, I'm so thankful that you are my brother. I'm so thankful that you are my sister. I'm so thankful that when I don't know where else to turn, I can call you. I've already mentioned that this past year was hard. And there were many a times where I needed to go sit on my buddy's porch and just list, let him listen to me. So if you have people, thank God for it and let them know how you feel. And if you don't, I just wanna, I want you to hear this because sometimes we can feel bad about this stuff. Like, well, I'm not there. Well, guess what? I've had many seasons where I wasn't either. I would pull back and isolate and kind of self-preserve. I've been there. I would just say, ask God to soften your heart, open your heart to people, because maybe the next time will actually be good. Maybe the last time wasn't, but maybe this time you could let someone in and they actually help you, not hurt you. You can serve on a team, you can join a group, you can just stop someone. Whatever that looks like for you, if you don't have people, ask God for it and pursue it and be open. So at Ridge Family, may we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, love our Father and love one another well. It's what we're called to do. And when we do that, a lost and broken and hurt and dying world who is desperate for someone to love them will see the way that we love, will see the way that we serve, will see the way that we care, will see the way that we show up. And they're going to say this, I want in. I want in because I don't have anybody to turn to, anybody to call on, anybody to help me. I need what you have. May we do that in Jesus' name. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we are in Christ. We have been brought into this family. Thank you that we are forgiven and victorious and secure and free and that we have a family. May we recognize that you've given us gifts and resources, not for our own good, but for the good of others. And may we treat each other well. May we love each other well. Help us, help us, help us. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.